0: Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler.
1: Alright, what's up everybody? This is SGX coach Mike Diebler and this is episode 31 of the OCR Underground Show. As usual, we have an awesome episode for you. We're going to take your OCR training to the next level, provide you some awesome tips, strategy, and show you the latest research on how you can train smarter for your next race. I wanted to congratulate all of our Spartan racers in New Jersey this past weekend who did the Beast or maybe stepped up their game and went after the Ultra Beast. Hope you guys had an awesome time. It looked like a fun course. That's definitely one I am looking forward to getting to in the future. And also, good luck to all of our racers heading to Montana this weekend. Personally, that was actually my first beast. And looking back, um, in the moment, I hated the course as I was running it because those hills were uh, brutal, but it was actually ending up being one of my favorite courses. And uh, if you haven't been there before, it's it's. Beautiful scenery, Uh, it's a a great area where the race is, Uh, but those hills can be nasty, so I hope you guys have been putting in the time and are ready to climb some mountains. And I wanted to take a moment to thank the sponsors of this show. First, we have Mobilitas. Their goal is to make the best mobility tools on the planet. And if you've been listening to the show, you know the importance of recovery and mobility. So hopefully you're already incorporating some type of foam rolling or self-myofascial release into your programs or daily routine. Uh, but if not, definitely go and check out what they have to offer. You can learn more about Mobilitas at yourjointsshouldn'thurt.com. And we also have Designer Protein. They've been making high-quality protein products, both plant-based and whey-based products, for over 20 years. I uh, I love their new product. It's called Native Whey. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But what's cool about it, it actually has a high amount, or over five grams, of leucine. Now, if muscle recovery and, and muscle growth is part of your goal, leucine, one of the branched-chain amino acids, is going to be critical in that process so we get a good serving Uh, in this particular product. So check out Native Way plus all of their other products at designerprotein.com. Don't forget you get 20% off for listening to this show. Use code Premier 20 So I have to admit I'm getting pretty excited. I'm counting down the days until my next Spartan Race. I'll be at the Ohio Beast and Sprint. Going to be going back-to-back running the Beast on Saturday and Sprint on Sunday really looking forward to it i feel like it's been forever since my last race but training's been going awesome i feel really good and i'm, I'm excited to see what i can do there um, and uh, a lot of the stuff i've been working on i'm a big fan of power development I was a a high jumper in college. It's just something I've always enjoyed doing. But part of the racing is power development. Definitely endurance is going to be the focus. But if you don't have the power to, to jump over obstacles or pick certain things up or even throw things, you're at a big disadvantage. And I recently put up a blog post on power training, specifically on jumping, and some key things that you might be missing out with your training. So I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes, which you can find for this episode at OCRunderground.com slash episode 31. Check out that article on some simple things you can incorporate into your training program to help you pretty much jump higher immediately if you if you aren't doing these things. It's, it's just a dramatic difference that it'll make. Um, But as usual, we have an awesome show, so I want to get right into it. In this episode, I have on SGX coach Brian the Ginger, who is going to talk about the Epic Series. And there was a recent race out here on the West Coast in LA, so he kind of gives us the recap of the race, plus what to expect in an Epic Series race. As I mentioned, changing the format of the show a little bit, so we definitely want to incorporate some other obstacle course races out there. Uh, In our research review, I'm going to talk about stretching, and I'm actually going to talk about static stretching and how it actually might help improve power development and improve performance, and that might sound backwards because if you've been following some of the uh, latest trends in, in the fitness world, you might hear that don't stretch before you work out because it reduces power, reduces performance and speed and things like that, and I'm going to actually show research that shows that that's not always the case and actually stretching beforehand can increase power. So pretty cool research there. And then finally, in our SGX Coaches interview, I have on Mike Confer from MROC Training right next door to me in Oceanside, California. So Coach Mike is an elite OCR racer, plus he's an amazing OCR coach, so he's going to get into some insight on his own personal training methods, plus what he's doing right now with his clients, whether it be their first race and just getting started, or maybe their first trifecta and and how to improve from there. We get into a, a great deal of topics. This was a great interview. He talks about uh, what polarized training is and and really walks you through how he sets up a a good quality program we get into muscle activation and mobility and how you properly prepare yourself for your workout so you reduce injury and enhance performance as much as possible Uh, and plus we get into uh, things like training for a a stadium series if that's something that you're you're interested in and a little bit of the differences training for that versus um, a a typical spartan race all right so we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more in today's episode so let's get on to today's show All right welcome back to the the show coach Brian how you doing I'm doing phenomenal how you doing Mike I'm doing great uh, I'm, I'm excited we're gonna go over a little
0: epic series with you today yeah I can't wait to talk about this this was a uh, quite the race man it's, it's a really fun series awesome so this is I guess not your typical
1: OCR um, but if, if somebody's not heard of an epic or hasn't been to one yet kind of what what's the rundown how does it all work
0: yeah, Epic series, it's, it's divided actually into uh, two different courses. Uh, they have their, uh, their regular course, uh, which you can take on. You, you go through the whole thing. It's uh, 24 obstacles. It was crammed into this uh, smaller field. So uh, if you're not a runner, this is a great course for you because it's obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, 24 obstacles with very little running in between. Um, and, and it caters to all levels from, you know, beginner all the way up to the elite, uh, athletes, um, which was just, it, it was such, it's such a great course. Uh, this, this past one I just went to was held at the uh, Los Angeles, uh, police academy and, uh, they had it on their training field, which had a big quarter mile loop around it. And in the middle, they had all these obstacles lined up, uh, which was just, uh, which was great. Um. They had it looks like five different laps. One you run with a flag, uh, one you run with a slosh pipe, one you run with a just a run. There's a dairy lap and a keg lap, and they're spread out throughout the whole course. So you'll do two or three obstacles, and then you'll take a lap with this. Two more obstacles, take a lap with this. Um, just, I mean, it, it really good, really good obstacles for it that. The person who you know wants to either test themselves, they can go heavy with the heavier keg, or someone who's just getting out there, first-timer, uh, not so sure of themselves. They have the lighter kegs. They have the lighter keg hoist. Um, they have smaller walls for you to climb over. Uh, just a, a well-rounded race for uh, I- any athlete of any kind of experience.
1: Awesome. So with the different weights and the different uh, heights and things like that, are you signed up for a specific category, or is it something when you get there you
0: just can decide which one you want to go with? If you're the elite, um, they have it. You everything's painted black, so you know which wall to climb over. You know which uh, keg to pick up. It's black, um, and usually the elites are the only ones held to that standard. Uh, the intermediate and the beginner uh, are allowed to take on whatever they want. They can even take on the elite wall if they want. Um, but they're not held to that standard. Uh, they're out there pushing themselves to the best of their abilities. Awesome.
1: All right. And you said, uh, so there was two, two courses. So the regular course, what's the
0: other one? So the main course, you run the entire course. At the end, you get that fantastic finishers medal. And then if you want to go for that podium, uh, you're able to run the elite course. Uh, now, the elite course, if you're an OCR person, this is completely different because it's built as similar to, and I, I, I'm not big kind of saying it, but it's similar to a CrossFit WOD. Um, the elite course is, is, this one was actually uh, separated from the course. You had to walk down these stairs to get to it. And down there, you'll start out, you'll sign in. Uh, you get a judge who will follow you around to each obstacle and make sure you do the reps correct, make sure you do the weight correct for whatever you're signed up for. Uh, It's split into two categories. There's um, the uh, strength category and the endurance category. And really the only difference is the endurance is less weight but higher reps, uh, where the strength is uh, higher weight and less reps. And then, of course, it's uh, also separated into men and women, so the weights are adjusted for gender. Um, The first obstacle you get harnessed into, uh, and which was really nice because you were harnessed into a – uh, a a police vehicle and it starts with a truck pull and it's a good 25 yard truck pull, um, that you have to, you get into a harness, you're pulling that truck. As soon as they say, stop, you drop the harness, you go to the next station. Uh, they had a push press next station was deadlifts. We had, uh, then up and over, which you'd grab a stone or Atlas stone, about 130 pound Atlas stone, put it over a five foot wall and then you chase it over back and forth three times. Um uh, then they have a short farmer carry tire flips. Uh, they had some kettlebell step ups, which were pretty heavy. The men's was uh, 80 pounds per hand. Oh. So uh, that was a little weight, you know, a little heavy on that one for for the men's strength. The uh, Atlas Stones uh, had an Atlas Stone, about 160 pound Atlas Stone for the men's strength that you had to put over your shoulder three times, mm-hmm. uh, followed by a sandbag lunge and a small sprint. Uh, your time accumulated from that adds into your elite course time and then that will uh, give you an opportunity to place for podium and of course they do their podium uh, men's strength first second and third men's endurance first second and third and then same for the women awesome
1: cool so what kind of op- obstacles can you expect to see on that regular course
0: oh uh, they had they had some interesting ones uh there was a a, a couple of them they had a a, a wall sit two, to three minute wall sit. Um, of course your typical like rope climb. They had, uh, a, the keg hoist I talked about earlier, burpee box jumps, which are, you don't see in many you know other races, mm-hmm. uh, your typical inverted walls. And then they, they, uh, they like to throw some like fun stuff in. They actually had, um, foam tipped archery. <laughs> so they had, it's about, you're about 10 yards back and you had to hit a metal plate with these foam tip archeries. It's right after you've taken two laps uh, with the um, the farmers' carry so your hands are a little shaky, <laughs> which I can see why they put that in there. yeah um, uh, but it's great. you know it, it's stuff that you'll never see in other ones. Uh, epic is is really good about this. Uh, I've done epic races for I would want to say a couple years. I've, I've done everything. Uh, they're, they're fun little uh, throwing ones. One time we had to do uh, – this takes me way back to when I was a kid. Remember that giant ball you would sit on and you would hop around the house with? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They had they had a, a 10-yard ball hop. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> You're in the middle of climbing walls, throwing kegs, and you have to do a five-yard ball hop. I thought it was great. Awesome. Um, uh, they also usually have about a 22-foot – to 25 foot, um, two inch diameter rope climb, uh, hanging from a crane, which is one of the highest ropes I've ever climbed in my life. And, uh, this one actually didn't have the rope climb, but they, they, uh, they had some smaller, uh, you know, more shorter ropes, but, uh, they had the knots and then the non knotted ones for the elites and then even a, uh, cargo net crawl for, uh, the beginners. So what it's just, it's a really great race because a, you see a lot of obstacles, you're not going to see everywhere else and B it caters more to everybody from elite to the beginner
1: cool cool so something that anybody can do if if it's their first type of race like this or if they've done a ton of them
0: oh absolutely absolutely if you just want to get your feet wet and you're like what can i do to try out this whole obstacle course thing you're not a runner this this is a great way to to see where you're at and to see you know how much you like this sport awesome
1: cool. So, um, before we get out of here, just a couple, maybe quick things. If somebody's going to try one of these out and they've never done it before, what are just some general training tips you would give? Like what, what areas should they focus on?
0: With, with, uh, with this type of course in, in the general course of, you know, for sure I would, uh, I would definitely work on, uh, general strength. Uh, like I said, don't have to worry about, you know, good cardio will help you in most, uh, obstacle course races, but with this one general strength, you know, there's, uh, there are a couple of Atlas stones you gotta throw over your shoulder. Uh, you have to work on your climbing. So when you're in the gym, you know, work on that uh, your grip a little bit, your rope climbing skills, uh, if you have a rope at your gym, um, and a lot of upper body strength uh, with some lower body strength. Uh, I'm a big fan of when I train for any race, the, the sandbag uh, walk or the sandbag carry, running with the sandbag on your shoulder will help you get ready for like those loops uh that you have to make with uh objects in your hands <laughs> Nice. so uh, but yeah uh, definitely a lot of uh, you know more strength stuff than as opposed to like the cardio stuff or even working on your running when you're doing longer distance races awesome
1: well cool well thanks so much for coming on here and i'll put some links in uh this episode show notes uh one the video that you you posted on facebook i'll put a link in there so people can kind of see some of these obstacles so i thought you did a good job just um kind of summarizing uh and, and um pointing out some of the the different athletes out there and what they were doing so I'll, I'll put a link to that and then to uh epic's website
0: so people can maybe sign up for one yeah i think it's great i can get out there and do it and hope you'll see me out there <laughs> all right awesome we'll talk to you soon sounds good coach thanks
1: right, in this week's research review, I want to talk about static stretching. And unfortunately, static stretching gets a little bit of a bad rap um, because there's been some research to show that when you static stretch before exercise, especially uh, power exercise, there is a decrease in strength, a decrease in performance, which obviously is not a good thing. Um, Sometimes these numbers get inflated a little bit. Some people feel that when you static stretch before you do an exercise, that it just completely kills your muscle so you can't do anything and this obviously isn't true Uh, but i just want to look at some of the numbers from from these studies so this is from a meta-analysis where they looked at a whole bunch of different studies that looked at static stretching before strength or power performance and on average this is what they found there was about a a 6.5 percent decrease in isometric strength when you statically stretch that muscle uh, before uh, uh, isometric exercise Um, with dynamic strength where you're moving, there was a 3.9% decrease. Uh, in power, there was a, a 1.9% decrease. And in explosive performance, like jumping, there was a 2% decrease. So these are not very big numbers. Now, if you are looking for max performance, you're an elite athlete, something like that, then yeah, 1%, one, percent one, 3%. Th- these are crucial because you want every every percentage you can get, every inch that you can get. If you're just average population just trying to do a little bit of jumping in your program it may not be that big a deal Um, what i wanted to look at though was actually what if we stretched the opposite muscle so in in all of those studies what they did was they stretched a muscle that was used in the lift so if they were going to do like a bench press they would stretch out the pec muscles and then do the bench press to see how that affected the performance and clearly there was some decrease in strength or power, depending on what they were looking at. So uh, in 2012, there was a study in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research that looked at stretching the antagonist and how it affect the agonist. And you may have never heard those words before. A agonist would just be the main muscle that would be required for a lift or a movement the antagonist would be the opposing muscle. So an easy example, if you're doing a bicep curl, your bicep would be the main mover, that's your agonist. And then the opposing muscle, which creates the opposite motion, would be your triceps, that's the antagonist. So if we stretch the tricep, how would it affect bicep performance? So this was a pretty interesting study. So they took 16 trained men, and they had them perform a bunch of different exercises. So they had them do isokinetic leg extension um, which is just a specific type of leg, leg extension that they control the speed of the movement and then they measure power and strength from that and they also did vertical jump testing and so what they did was they wanted to look at if we do a leg extension what happens if we stretch the hamstring and the theory is your opposing muscle group is going to resist the movement that you're trying to create so if i'm trying to do a leg extension then my hamstring is actually resisting that movement. So if I stretch the hamstring, it will help create smoother movement and might increase strength of the leg extension. Uh, So that was one part of it, and they found that there was a significant increase in, in strength and power when they stretched the hamstring prior to doing a leg extension. Then they wanted to look at jump performance. So. For here, some of the primary mover, movers of a vertical jump, while there are many muscles working, they figured, well, it's a lot of hip extension and plantar flexion. So hip extension, that's that's the glutes extending the hips. That's where we get most of our power with the jump. And then as we push off the ground, we point our toes, and that's uh, plantar flexion of the ankle. So our calves are really active there. So they looked at what are the opposing muscles. So for the glutes, the hip flexors, would be the antagonists, so they stretched the hip flexors, and um, they also stretched out the dorsiflexors, or uh, the muscles that lift your toe up off the ground, so this would be the the muscles on the front of your shin, the like the anterior tibialis, uh, so they stretched out those two areas, and then they, they uh, retested and performed their vertical jump again, and the same thing, they saw an increase in power increase in height jump. Now, these numbers are not huge. I'm not going to say that they jumped like five inches higher. In fact, it was more like a centimeter higher. So nothing uh, huge, but a little bit of a significant difference there. And for power, they they got about an extra 100 watts of power uh, with the movements. So again, not huge numbers, but it just shows that all static stretching isn't bad. And it might be a, a critical part of your your program so that's that's really what i wanted to bring up here and and the kind of takeaways from this is i just when i look at people talking about stretching um and uh, dynamic stretching is great but sometimes static stretching is going to be completely appropriate it's just the the main takeaway is it's okay to static stretch but just think what is the ultimate goal of your your workout and when you look at a lot of the studies that were done that saw a decrease in performance how they ran those studies were they stretched out a muscle and then they immediately did like a vertical jump or a bench press or a squat or something like that. So it's, it's clear. Yeah. If you stretch something, you're relaxing and and you're going to inhibit that muscle a little bit. So it's not going to be able to create max force right away, but not many people do that, or at least I hope most people don't do that. You don't stretch and then go right into a lift or right into a run or or, or jump or anything like that if you're going to do some type of stretching you're going to do some type of dynamic or athletic warm-up and uh, activation series to help get those muscles moving again right but static stretching is great if you have a limitation in mobility right it's not the only way to increase mobility but it's one pretty effective tool that you can use and what you have to ask yourself is what is your primary reason for doing anything, doing a stretch, doing a lift? And if you notice that you're having a hard time maybe squatting to a certain depth or uh, doing a certain movement because you just have tight hips or tight shoulders or tight ankles, whatever it might be, then your number one priority should be enhancing mobility. Because if you don't, You'll, no amount of strength is going to help increase that range of motion. You have to restore that mobility there. So you might want to do a little bit more static stretching prior to a workout in order to maximize your joint mobility. But again, you're not static stretching and then going right into your workout. You're going to static stretch and then do uh, an active warmup to, to wake everything back up. Then you're going to hit whatever you're doing, your jumps, your, your lifts, or whatever it might be. Uh, so that's that's one of the main takeaways that I wanted really to to get out of uh, sharing this article was it's okay to static stretch. Uh, it gets bashed a lot online, and I don't think it's always uh, necessary because um, there are plenty of times when it, it can be uh, completely beneficial. And it's something personally that I use all the time in my clients' programs and myself. I do have... Um, tightness in certain joints and i have to really work at restoring that mobility so i definitely i'll, I'll hit the foam roller and then i will stretch it right afterwards because i want to make sure i regain as much movement as possible but then i'm going to activate it and and get that muscle awake again because once you stretch it you have this new range of motion that you need to strengthen because you're brain doesn't really know how to use that new range of motion. Um, But that's probably a topic for for another time. So um, like I said, definitely incorporate static stretching if you feel that it's appropriate and use this study to help you out. Maybe if you're going to be doing some jumping, focus on some anterior uh, tibialis stretching or uh, kind of sitting uh, a quick example would be like sitting on your toes and pushing your your toes back and then just sitting back to stretch out the front of your your shins that anterior tibialis or getting some hip flexor stretches in there so you have better hip extension range of motion so you can create uh, better force production when you're when you're jumping all right, so hope that comes in handy. Again, don't think all static stretching is bad. Sometimes it can actually help improve your performance. This is our Coach's Corner, and I have a very special guest with us. And normally I do our Coach's interviews through Skype or on the phone, but today I'm lucky enough to have our guest uh, live. Well, I guess live for us, not live for anybody listening to the podcast. Um, but in, in my studio, so I have SGX coach Mike Confer for, for, from MROC Training on with us. How are you doing today? Great, Mike. How are we doing? Awesome. Awesome. So just real quick, I want to give everybody a little bit about your background. Um, so you're a former Marine Corps martial arts instructor, turned personal trainer, turned studio owner. And like I mentioned, you're the owner of MROC Training in Oceanside, California. Um, you found obstacle course racing in 2011. And on top of obstacle course racing, you have a pretty wide uh, background in training knowledge from NASM, Performance Enhancement Specialist, to SGX Coach. You went through the Spartan Obstacle Specialist Certification, uh, and numerous CrossFit programs like uh, Level 1 Coach, Strongman Coach, Endurance Coach, and Mobility Coach. And on top of that, just a, an elite racer, awesome coach, awesome mentor. So thanks so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be here, man. I've been wanting to get in for a while, and I'm glad we're making it happen. Yeah, so... Um, I have a numerous amount of topics that I want to discuss, discuss with you on here, but first, if, if you don't mind, for anybody that hasn't heard of you, uh, just what's your background and, and how did you get into this whole coaching program? Well, you summed it
2: up pretty good. I mean, um, I was in the Marine Corps from 2002 to 2007, uh, and during my time, I, I did martial arts training, uh, which led me to body conditioning pro- the body conditioning program. Uh, believe it or not, we got a lot of active duty guys that kind of fall off the wagon and mm-hmm. spend too much time at the chow hall and in front of an Xbox. <laughs> so um, it was my job to keep them in, in fighting shape. So I, I kind of just fell in love from it with it from there. Um, the minute I got out, I, I went straight to the gym and got a job handing out towels. I <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> said, yeah. you know, I, I've always had a strong work ethic, so um, didn't want to just, you know get out and not do anything. So I went to the gym where I felt comfortable. Uh, got a job and right away got recruited by the trainers there and they said, you know, you should really be training people, not mm-hmm. just re- racking weight. Uh, so I had some really great mentors that got me involved in NASM and Nesta and some other different, uh, you know, national certifications. So really started building my, my um, education on why all these things work and why we do the things we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know... Everything was fine. Uh, just kept training for the next few years. Early, you know, guy in my early twenties. You know, just you know, recently engaged and enjoying life. <clears throat> but uh, I didn't have the camaraderie that I had in the Marine Corps. I didn't have competition. I didn't have physical fitness tests and annual, you know, things that made me be fit other mm-hmm. than just trying to look good. Uh, so I remember I was, I'll never forget it. Being at the gym, <laughs> doing my post-lifting cardio session on the elliptical. Mm-hmm. You know, old school style of training. And uh, on Pandora, I kept hearing these, you know, jump over fire and climb mountains and crawl under th- under the barbed wire and splash <laughs> in the mud. And I'm like, that sounds really freaking awesome. Uh, and it was for a Tough Mudder. And uh, signed up and went out and, and just crushed that race. And I had a blast doing it. Uh, or actually, I say that race crushed me. Um, I thought I was in, in pretty good shape, but uh, I had never run mountains before. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a huge difference for me. So, um, You know, I went back and said, "Okay, that was fun. Not happy with how I did. Mm -hmm. Let's get a little more competitive." Uh, That's when I learned about World's Toughest Mudder, Mm -hmm. and so I said, "Okay, I'm going to sign up for that." Yeah. And I started training specifically for that, and started you know anything in between that next six month time span that I could sign up for, Mm -hmm. whether it was a local five k mud run, yeah, uh, all the way to you know a fifty k in the mountains of wow. Malibu. like I nice. said, I'm, I'm going to turn myself into a runner. Mm-hmm. Because I was pretty much just a lifter at that time. yeah. And I, I fell in love with running. Uh, who knew? Downhill running is the, the, the funnest thing in the world. <laughs> so uh, that just became my thing. Uh, and everything that I could do to get better uh, in, as an athlete, as a coach, as a, as a competitive obstacle course racer, from running to starting to do CrossFit and getting involved in these new different training styles, I did it. Um, so it, 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 that was... Jesus, six years ago. Yeah, yeah. So a lot has happened in the last six years, just expanding my knowledge base, implementing new systems, trying out something
1: out, finding out what works, and then implementing that to, to my clients as well. Awesome, awesome. And and your facility is pretty unique and, and a really cool place where, I mean, really you do all types of workouts and you're not just training obstacle course racers, but you definitely have a great following there. Um, but you're training average Joes, Janes, just trying to get more fit. Um, but you have some pretty cool stuff to play on there as well to to help people get ready for some of these races.
2: Yeah. Uh, MROC is the Mud Run and Obstacle Course Training Center. So as soon as you hear that name, (laughs) some people immediately think, oh, so you have mud? Like, we're going to get muddy? Like, do I have to bring a change of shoes? Like, no, we're still a a traditional strength training facility. Mm -hmm. We just have a lot of obstacles. So for a lot of people, I would say, you know, it's like a CrossFit box on obstacle steroids. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you walk in, you're going to see the bumper plates and the kettlebells and the boxes and the balls. Then you're gonna see the nets and the ropes and the tires and Mm -hmm. the buckets. And then you're gonna go outside and you're gonna see the walls and the walls and the spears and the walls (laughs) and the the hurdles and just the herquois and the stones and Mm -hmm. the kegs. And we start, recently we've really got into like strongman training. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, just anything heavy and awkward and slosh pipes and jerry cans and we've got a lot of stuff over there. Um, And like you said, we're not just training people for the Mm -hmm. mud rounds and obstacle course races. That is the end goal. But the, the way we look at obstacle course racing is that it's the ultimate sport. Mm-hmm. It challenges you to run, climb, crawl, uh, and jump and, and do all these things for extended periods of time. So not to say any, uh, any other sport is bad. It's it just uh, All other sports are very specific mm-hmm. at different disciplines. Yeah. And then even within the sports, different positions are specific disciplines. You know, a, a lineman in a football team doesn't have to train the same way the quarterback yeah, yeah. does. Uh, but neither one of those specialties is necessarily going to mean that you can go out and crush a Spartan race. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you don't have to be able to run for extended periods of time. Mm -hmm. You don't have to carry things for extended periods of time. Yeah. So um, we just kind of look at overall athleticism, functionality, a little bit of specificity, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, making you stronger and just giving you the confidence to go out and crush
1: races. Yeah. And I like that you bring that up because I know a lot of people, they just want to head to the playground and only do obstacles. And that is a part of it, right? You, You need to practice a monkey bar or climb a rope and learn that technique. But if you don't have that baseline movement and strength, all the practice in the world really isn't gonna help you there. Um, and just what I know uh, on a previous episode, we talked about like Randy Moss, how he's been featured in a lot of the Spartan races. And I mean, everybody's seen he's gotten crushed and I don't think anybody say that he's not an amazing athlete, but this is different, right? It's not just about how fast can you run and how high can you jump and or even how much you can lift. Like those are all components, but if you can't put it all together, Um, you're in trouble, and I think a lot of people that get into this, that's, it sounds like you were in the same boat myself as well, where I was, I consider myself an athlete, but not a Spartan athlete, so I thought, yeah, I can do pretty much anything okay, and then I do my first Spartan race, and you get beat up pretty bad, and it's like a rude awakening, where the training I was doing, I might have called myself in shape, but it wasn't Spartan shape, where I, I can get ready for these, these different types of races, so. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I want to talk to you um, to get going here is a little about a little bit about combining some of these um, different modalities into your program. And so I think most people know, well, you need some strength, you need some endurance, you need some power. We need to do all this stuff. And then you get these workouts that, that are just kind of everything thrown together. And I know you have some specific strategies to help improve these things. So um, let's just talk a little bit about that. Sure.
2: Well, um, there's always a difference between you know what is your preferred method of training. Do you like to go it alone? Mm-hmm. Do you do group training? Or do you have a personal trainer or coach that works with you one-on-one? And that will play a big role mm-hmm. in whether or not you're following a, a, a program um, you know, with other people mm-hmm. that you may have to modify yourself and scale up or down, uh, or whether you're doing your own, th- own thing. Now, certainly there are great benefits to working out with other people, yeah. uh, and that would be one of my... First suggestions to anybody is to go out and find a support system because mm-hmm. if this is going to be what you're training for, uh, you know, get other people that are on board. Get, you know, whether it's your family at home, your friends, do that, that support you. Doesn't necessarily mean they have to train with you, but make sure they know your goals. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you know if you if you need that extra push, you know, go find a coach mm-hmm. that that can help you and train you. Um, now, as far as you know, my own personal training, um, you know, I I really like to just find a blend uh, of powerlifting. Uh, a little bit of metabolic conditioning, um, some steady state running, and a lot of high intensity interval training. Mm-hmm. And then, how does that all come together? Is the big question. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, a lot of times you think, okay, well, that means you're working out for 90 minutes or two hours. You're doing all of that. Mm-hmm. And no, that's completely the opposite. Um, it really should be uh, an approach where different days are, are meant for different things. Mm-hmm. So, what I like to advise, you know, all of our members of, uh, whether again, it's group training or one on one, like, it starts with your goal. Uh, what is your goal? Define it. Write it down. Say it out loud every day. Yeah. Um, and then figure out why is that important to you, right? Get motivated about it. And then whatever that goal is, uh, decide what workout of the day or of the week uh, is most critical, right? So um, for me, uh, and I think we'll, we'll probably talk about this in a little bit or transition into it. Like, right now I'm training for the stadium series. Yeah, yeah. So my A workout, you know, if I were to classify them A's, B's, and C's, et cetera, Uh, would be the day where I'm actually simulating that race and putting it all the different elements together. Mm -hmm. But that's only one day a week that I actually do that. Yeah. I consider that my most important day. So the day before that I'm resting or having a low intensity day. Mm -hmm. The day after that I'm having like an active recovery or just complete rest day. Because I want to be able to give everything I've got into that workout. Then I look at, uh, you know, what are my B workouts? What are the next things that are most important to me? Well, again, I'm, I'm always going to say I'm a stronger person than I am a a faster person. Mm -hmm. So my next thing that I need to work on is speed, right? And for a stadium sprint, uh, you don't need as much endurance. You need muscular endurance and stamina. Uh, And if you're on a competitive level, up to 25 to 30 minutes uh, is really all the longer that you Mm -hmm. really need to be able to go for. So again, it's not necessarily the strength, but how quickly can you recover and how quickly can you turn and burn between obstacles Mm -hmm. so the next most important workouts for me are speed work so two of my workouts a week are going to be running one specific on a track and one specific on stairs uh because obviously you're not going to get a stadium race where you are not going up and down stairs (laughs) um so those would be the other two days a week um one day a week i'm getting in a third run just to kind of keep the miles up uh and by up i'm saying 15 to 20 Mm -hmm. uh and that's including all the track work and stair work at, and running in between my cross training days.
1: So you're saying 15 to 20 <clears> per <throat> week miles?
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, per week. I don't really s- if even for a regular sprint, I, mm-hmm. I really wouldn't go over the 20 mark for me. Mm-hmm. Now, if you come from a running background and you're comfortable running, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. But for most people, that's just a lot of wear and tear on the joints, mm-hmm. especially for people that aren't willing to discipline themselves and dedicate the time on how to run properly. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a whole other issue in itself. Are, yeah. are you following a, a pose or a chi method or a barefoot running method? or Have you had any running instruction at all ever? Yeah, or are you yeah. just going out there and beating up your joints? So I do get one day a week, you know, maybe three to five miles, uh, where I'm just going out and doing a more, um, you know, zone two, zone three heart rate mm-hmm. run, where it's it's a low, it's slower than a tempo, it's almost mm-hmm. like a recovery run, mm-hmm. but I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, keeping my body conditioned to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, stadium sprints, maybe two, mm-hmm. two and a quarter miles. So if I'm running three to four. Uh, I'm going a little bit above and beyond,, yeah. but I'm not going hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that really only leaves two other work, uh, workouts I haven't talked about. and those are my, my power lifting days. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you kind of call it cross training days. Uh, where really um, just moving heavy weight, you know there's just so much benefit to it uh, as far as testosterone and, and heart rate uh, benefits of you know pushing heavy weight obviously makes you stronger, gives you a strong foundation. Um, myself, uh, again, I, I really like strongman and powerlifting elements. Um, so those are gonna be things like deadlifts, back squats, uh, heavy presses, um, even bench press. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, a lot of people that say they do functional training, they're like, oh, we don't do bench press. You mm-hmm. know, bench press is horrible. I was that same guy for a long time. It's fun to, to push weight. Mm-hmm. you know. Uh, now, I don't, that doesn't mean you need to do it two or three times a week. because yeah. There's not a lot of chest heavy obstacles mm-hmm. in Spartan Race. But, uh, there are a lot of other, um, physiological adaptations that, you know, adaptations that happen pushing heavy weight and mm-hmm. chest press is just another one of those ways, uh, that you can stimulate the body and get some muscle growth and get other benefits, not just a big chest. Yeah. yeah. And that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so two days a week, um, I basically break it down and I, I do a full body workout of heavy elements. Uh, so one day might look like back squat checks, uh, chest press, um, you know, where I'm going just. Really heavy, low rep ranges and really long rest protocols, uh, and that might take thirty minutes to get through it. Just mm-hmm. two movements because I'm taking really long rest, mm-hmm. and then and heavy weight, uh, and then I'll finish that up with, um, you know, maybe pick three or four uh, muscle groups that I didn't hit that day. You know, maybe some arms, legs, core. You know, some sort of cardio explosive movement, uh, a battle rope or a mm-hmm. burpee, and and mix that into like a you know less than ten minute. Metabolic conditioning sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's an AMRAP or a, a circuit mm-hmm. on and off, uh, some HIT training. Yeah, And that's it. So I'm not going 30, 40 minutes high-intensity interval training, CrossFit-style mm-hmm. training, Metcons and stuff. Mm-hmm. I lift heavy for 20, 30 minutes, and then I rest, and then I go hard for no more than 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm already running really hard on those stair and track days, mm-hmm. and I'm going really hard on that obstacle-specific day. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then the way you stack that all together is one day after the other. So if I'm lifting on day one, I'm on the track on day two, mm-hmm. back in the gym to lift on day three, doing a stair run on day four, taking it easy. Then I'm gonna hit that you know obstacle specific day, and I'm gonna rest again. Yeah. Uh, or maybe then I'll do that slow recovery run mm-hmm. on that sixth or seventh day of the week. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. I mean, that's eight to ten hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most people can get up to that point. Uh, it's nothing ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. not fifteen or twenty hours, uh, and that's one of the you know the downfalls of other long-distance training protocols where you need to get out there and run for an hour or 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Well, not for a stadium sprint. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know, if your race is 25, 30 minutes long,
1: again, you only have to be conditioned to go so hard so long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's awesome. And I I think that's a perfect template or blueprint for somebody to just really plug and play. You know, obviously, depending on their goals, they might have to change some things in there. But um, so I think the hard thing for people to really get or accept or maybe just like a paradigm shift is, you know, more is better and that's people get stuck in there. And I you know, I don't want to say that you're not we're not working hard by doing something like this because obviously those hard days are hard, but you can't hit those hard days unless you have an easier day in there. Whether it is a recovery day or maybe just a a, a longer low intensity run, but just something where I know the next day is my my big day, whether it's powerlifting or that stadium or race specific day. Um, I don't know if you ever have, this is something with uh, my clients sometimes that I almost have to talk them down where they want to take on the world every day. And what I found is their workouts, instead of like having a high intensity day, a moderate intensity day, a low intensity day, their first day is high intensity. And then the rest is kind of meh, you know, like moderate at best. They feel like they're pushing it and their heart rate might be going up. But when you look at whether it's the (laughs) weight that they're pushing or their, 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 um, their tempo in their run, it's not where they should be. I don't know if you have any strategies or to help people listening to, like, back off a little bit. Uh, that's a great uh, question, Mike. Like, how do we get people to, to
2: realize that, that more isn't always better? Uh, it's one of the biggest struggles we have with our clients and, and the members of our gym. Uh, so let me go back a, a step. And what typically happens first uh, when people first start training with us is, you know, oh, my gosh, how do I survive these workouts? And mm-hmm. how do I get in here day after day? Uh, And I actually don't advise people to start coming in consistently every day of the week Mm -hmm. because not everybody's ready for that. I'll say, hey, for the first two weeks, just try to come in two or three times, but space that out. Mm -hmm. You know, get maybe two days on, one day off, come back in again, then rest. Uh, If that feels okay, maybe on week three or four, you start adding three or four days a week. And eventually, our goal is to get our members coming in five days a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our training regimen is actually Monday through Thursday, rest Friday, and then train again Saturday. Saturday being the obstacle-specific day. Mm -hmm. And then Monday through Thursday is those up and downs of, hey, really hard lifting or metabolic conditioning or mm-hmm. running intervals, mm-hmm. and, and they go up and down. Now, once somebody gets to the point where they're coming in consistently five days a week, uh, the question is, well, how do I get more uh, and, and what's the next step for me? Mm-hmm. To, well, again, we have to go back to goals. Well, what is your goal? Yeah. Uh, if you're training for a Spartan sprint or less, so maybe four and a half to five miles or less— Really, there isn't too much you have to do. Maybe add in a tempo run on Sundays, mm-hmm. or um, you know, maybe once or twice a week before or after class or your lifting session, you throw in an easy mile or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but depending on what your training volume looks like during the week, you shouldn't have to do much more than that. Yeah. Uh, when you want to start looking at supers and beasts, uh, or just any other event that's outside of that, you know, five k distance. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, it's it's what do I need next? Is, is was running? Uh, maybe some low, uh, you know, recovery runs. Or just honestly more mobility, more mm-hmm. recovery. Um, we have a whole area, uh, our upstairs of our, we have a two-story facility, and the mm-hmm. whole upstairs facility I call the mobility lot. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, you know, encouragement and advice for people is, hey, if you got more than an hour a day to spend in the gym, I mean, l- lucky you. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm stoked for you because I wish I had that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have that time, put it before and after your, you know, your session. Yeah. And get the most out of that session. So you know we act, have people come in and do you know open up their shoulders with a crossover symmetry system, or you know we have slack lines set up so people can work on um, uh, you know their balance mm-hmm. and stability mm-hmm. and, and all the neurological benefits. Yeah, of you yeah. know, Getting stabilized mm-hmm. on a, on a slack line, or even just you know working with Bosu balls and Dyna Discs, mobility bands. Yeah, yeah. You know we, we have an activation sequence where we want people to get their heart rate slightly elevated, uh, do some fascial release, if they have any issues that, that need to be worked out. Uh, Go through some range of motion stretching and then do activation. Mm -hmm. Activation of the joints and the muscles that specifically are going to get worked on uh, and activation of the core. There's never a day where you shouldn't activate your core prior to a workout. Uh, For myself personally, every day, this is a 20 to 30 minute sequence Mm -hmm. before I do anything that you would consider hard. Um, I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning and I was... Work prepping for an hour before I stepped on the track. Mm -hmm. My track workout was 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And so, but my total volume was an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Well, what am I doing? I've I've got a compact stem machine on my legs. I've got a a roll flex up and down my calves. Mm -hmm. Um, Doing a little bit of yoga, doing some different planks and things to get my core going. Uh, It's just, you really got to be primed and ready. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to paint your house without, you know, taking down the pictures, taping out the corners, Mm -hmm. um, you know doing the prep work hopefully laying down some plastics you don't make a mess uh and setting out all your tools Mm -hmm. you know there's work that has to be preparatory work that has to be done and a training session should should be no different and if you still have time after that well let's go back and revisit some of those things what did we just beat up or you know let's bring the heart rate back down for five to ten minutes let's get back on that foam roller let's stretch out those joints so that tomorrow we can do something else yeah yeah um and honestly, if you would spend more... If pe- more people would spend more time pre- and post-workout mm-hmm. instead of just adding a second workout, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. going to get more out of that workout. And then when you start combining it with classifying your workouts, so well, this is the best workout or my most important workout. This one's not as important, so maybe I'm only going to go 80% today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get the most bang for your buck that way. And that's actually another tip on that. Uh, if I can go back uh, uh, to our previous discussion on yeah. like, well, how do you classify these workouts... Um, to get a visual on this, mm-hmm. uh, what I would say is, right, get a calendar, like a piece of paper with a calendar printed on it, or even just you know draw six lines and have your seven days of the week on a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. Write down what those workouts are, Saturday through Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, and then get a, a high three highlighters or three markers, you know, like a red, blue, and green, or a mm-hmm. red, yellow, and 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 green, and have and classify those as A, B, and C or one, two, and three, and then start to plot out what. How intense that workout's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and if red is intense, if red is your your super hard workout, yeah. and you're looking visually and you're seeing red, 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 yellow, red, 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 yeah, you're that's a huge. Red flag, red mm-hmm. flag, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I kind of use this like color-coded rainbow approach or mm-hmm. roller coaster approach to say, hey, your workout should go up and down and mm-hmm. hold steady and then spike and then come low and hang low and then go moderate and then come up to high. Yeah, yeah. And as, as we're having this conversation face-to-face, I'm doing all these animated yeah. hand gestures and floating <laughs> up and down. Uh, but it's almost uh, reminiscent of like a polarized training model mm-hmm. um, where, you know, more traditionally with running marathon triathlon... You know, they would follow an 80 to 20 rule mm-hmm. where 80% of your workouts should be moderate to low intensity yeah. and really only 20% of should of your workouts should be high intensity yeah, yeah. super hard um you know in the 80 20 rule applies to life yeah. i mean 20% of the workers or 20% of the effort is going to give you or whatever 20% is going to give you 80% of the effect yeah, yeah. right and training is no different so if you're looking at your 10 hours a week you know it shouldn't be 9 or 10 hours of high intensity workouts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you can't lift heavy, yeah. but you shouldn't be lifting for reps or for time on a heavy lifting session. Yeah, yeah. That kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. And you, you you, mentioned I've got several CrossFit certifications. I love yeah. CrossFit. Yeah. But I don't have our members doing heavy deadlifts for high repetition, mm-hmm. you know, or overhead squats for, you know, as many as you can for time. hmm Or, or you, know, you know, five rounds for time. That just doesn't make sense to me. yeah. yeah. Have a dedicated... T- part of your workout or day of the week where you're lifting for strength, yeah. recovering from that. And then if you're doing metabolic conditioning, it can be something less stressful in the body and more body weight calisthenics and, yeah, yeah. and things that are, are not going to beat up your joints. Because the last thing you want to do is be, be fatigued and in a, a state of fatigue when you're doing something technical, complicated, mm-hmm. loaded heavily, uh, that's going to break your body down.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I love what you do is because you have all these different backgrounds, but you're not married to any one school of thought where it's like live and die by crossfit or live and die by whatever you're gonna pick and choose the things that you that make sense to you and work well for you and your clients and then you'll merge those together for for the best program you can create um and so you just mentioned a ton of awesome tips i just want to go back and kind of touch on on some of them um Mm -hmm. first of all you brought up painting which is probably my least favorite activity i will prep (laughs) for 10 hours before work for a 30 minute workout, but I don't want to spend an hour prepping for painting, but definitely understand the importance there. And one thing I've noticed as I've gotten older, um, and I hate to admit that, but it unfortunately happens. I kind of joke that my warm up gets longer and longer and my workout gets shorter and shorter. And I'm sure it's gonna be a point where I'm just warming up for an hour and a half and then I leave or whatever. Um, But it makes such a difference. And I've noticed that like injury, goes way down because I'm ready. And I might only do a couple lifts if I'm going to lift, for example. But yeah, I might spend like 45 minutes just getting ready for those couple lifts. and But my weights are going to be higher. And I'll, I'll just feel better. And that's kind of the most important thing is whether I'm lifting a ton of weight or not, I feel really good. And I feel like I'm doing the movement with higher quality. So I, I just think that I just want to reiterate that because I think it's such an important thing. Um, well, uh, and just to, to touch on that too, you
2: should feel really good after every workout. yeah. yeah. You shouldn't feel like your soul has been crushed and you're going to vomit all over everything after a workout. Is that a sign of a high-intensity workout? Sure. Does that mean it's a sign of a good workout? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. I mean, maybe once or twice a week you should push yourself into the pain cave, Mm -hmm. stay there long enough that you get really uncomfortable. Yeah. That doesn't mean you should be there every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, spending the time to do the preparatory work and if that's all the time you have, that's what your body needs. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're still going to feel really good about that. And then, is like I said, if you know you can squeeze, you know, ten minute of uh, MetCon in there. Where, hey, I'm just gonna do some double unders with my jump rope mm-hmm. and a couple light kettlebell swings, a couple push ups, a couple pull ups. You know, three, four, five movements. Go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take very long to get the heart rate up, get a light sweat going, mm-hmm. and then call it. Yeah. Right. But if you did all the work to warm up, then your body can actually handle it. And mm-hmm. you know, a simple analogy. You know, if you're gonna go race a car. How much work goes into building that car so it can handle a time around a track or yeah. a time down a strip? Yeah. And you're prepping the tires and you're doing your system checks and, and you're doing everything before you go hard. Yeah. yeah. But in our with our bodies, we feel like we can just walk in the gym and start lifting heavy or just mm-hmm. start running fast or hop on the treadmill and start doing intervals. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't go on a road trip without you know a cross country road trip without checking your tire pressure, maybe mm-hmm. checking your oil, making sure the gas tanks fuel or your fuel tank is, is all the way up. Um, you know, has your carbon aligned recently? Is, yeah, is, yeah. is the muffler hanging off and dragging? <laughs> you know, But we let our bodies get all tight mm-hmm. and stiff and we're like, man, I've got this pain on the outside of my knee and my T-band's locked up and man, my heel cords are super stiff and my calves are like rocks. And yeah. well, What are you doing running right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, I, if I had to tell people, hey, you don't need to... You need to go upstairs and work those issues out. Yeah, yeah. It's more important for you to do that than it mm-hmm. is to, to do this session today. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not always what we want to
1: hear, but that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of the truth of the matter. Definitely. Um, so it's kind of t- touching on that prep work. You mentioned activation, um, and you, you talked about the core, but I'm sure there's other things. I don't know if maybe you have some go-to or just to kind of give some people a, a, an idea of what you mean exactly with some activation. So I'm assuming you did some prep work with maybe mobility stuff. So like mm-hmm. you said, you're maybe foam rolling, some yoga, some stretching, dynamic warm-up kind of thing, and then that's leading into your activation
2: Yeah. So, um, depending on what the the workload is is going to be, um, you know, you kind of want to work specifically to that, but always include core work. So in my background with this actually comes from, uh, you know, past injuries. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've had a broken ankle and I've torn major ligaments in my lower body and I've had, I've had back surgery and Mm -hmm. I've had, uh, herniated discs. So I've been through it Yeah. and, uh, you know, how did I get there in the first place? Because I was stubborn. Yeah. You know, I knew better, mm-hmm. but I didn't listen to my own advice and I did it anyway. <laughs> and having to go through all that recovery and miss so many races, yeah. you know, all this was during my competitive, what I would call a career still mm-hmm. r- as a racer, obstacle course racer. I've learned that I don't want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. And it's been a blessing in disguise because I've learned so much yeah. and been through through so much. I've had to figure out how do I prevent this from happening in the future. So, um, like you said, already warmed up the, the the got the blood flowing, done some fascial release. I'm doing things, uh, dead bugs, okay. um, you know, hollow holds, hollow rocks, um, or you know, a, a modified position as a, a dish position. You mm-hmm. know, anything that's imprinting your lower back to the floor, stacking your uh, or organizing your midline, mm-hmm. uh, really getting your body in tune with how to engage your pelvic floor. Which would be for those of you that don't know, um, kind of the muscles below your belly button but above your pubic bone. Mm-hmm. How do we engage them and Keep those under contraction through movement. And for somebody that's never done that before, just engaging them and holding still is a problem. And then you start talking, okay, march your legs. Can I do that? Add your upper arms. All Mm -hmm. of a sudden, everything starts falling apart. You're like, why can't I do this? Well, I do that every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually, you know, moving into like more Spartan SGX style uh, warm-ups and protocols, I do bear crawls every day. Yeah, Forward, yeah. backwards, side-to-side, lateral movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, really get my shoulders in good positions and getting, you know, cross-body dynamics, you know, um... Quadrilateral movement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll actually add in mobility bands mm-hmm. and um, resistance bands. Do monster walks. Okay. Uh, or do what's called a quadruped, uh, where you can hook a band across your left ankle and your right wrist mm-hmm. in a uh, uh, hands and knee position and extend opposite arm, opposite leg. Yeah. Under control, just to really get. I want everything to be firing from my brain to my fingertips to my toes. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> excuse me, every movement that I'm doing is a full body contraction. There's thought. There's purpose. I'm just opening up those neurological, uh, neuromuscular pathways of what my brain tells my body I want it to do, and yeah. what's actually going to be executed. Um, and then I always finish with five minutes on the slack line. I just, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's something about that uh, proprioceptive feedback that mm-hmm. you get being up on that, on that line. And I'll tell you what, I was really horrible six months ago. Yeah. Uh, but daily commitment, as with anything else, you know, I'm walking backwards on that thing. That's now. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just love doing that because people are like, oh, wow. <laughs> and it's not about doing tricks and flips and stuff but it yeah. really is just about can you tro- control your body if you tell your body hey I'm going to stand straight and walk 15 feet from point A to point B yeah. can you actually do that and can your body react and adapt to the different uh, circumstances it's going to find itself in because what is obstacle course racing yeah. what is trail running like you have to have the dexterity the agility and the mm-hmm. ability to adapt
1: to any situation and I think that's a great way to get your body primed for that yeah awesome and, and I, I'm glad you brought all that up um, because I, I know when you say, you know, you're doing some core work every day, some people will interpret that as I'm gonna start doing sit-ups and crunches <laughs> and, and all that stuff every day. Yeah so, and that's and everything you're doing, it, it, especially when you first get started, it'll be challenging, but this is not like where I'm trying to get those six pack muscles firing. This is no, you're trying to coordinate everything. And it still might get you sweating, like if you've never done something like oh, yeah. this. Um but it's you're it's almost like we're not it's not an exercise, it's an activity you practice. And sometimes when you just have that mental switch. You get away from, like, yeah, I'm doing this to just get a six-pack, and then I'm going to get my abs burning every day. Yeah. This is just to prep you for running, right? Because you're doing the opposite arm, opposite leg, just like we run, and crawling and all that stuff. You're nailing it. I mean, uh, when
2: I went through uh, the CrossFit Endurance program with Brian McKenzie, uh, you know, great, great coach, great book, mm-hmm. Power Speed Endurance, for anybody that hasn't read it. Um, you know, he, he he's actually introduced me to the hollow hold position, mm-hmm. where if you haven't done it, it's... Uh, it's a reverse plank where you're laying on your back, arms overhead, legs extended, core engaged, and stuck to the floor. Uh, he said something to the tune of, hey, if you can't hold this position for three minutes, what, what business do you have running three miles? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you actually learn how to run properly, you'll realize that there's a huge amount of core engagement to keep mm-hmm. your hips level and stack properly under the ribs and fall forward. Yeah. But if you don't have that core strength and endur- core endurance, endurance you're gonna mute the hips, fall forward and then everything's just gonna collapse and fall to crap yeah, yeah. Um, So I really took that home and I have done I do hollow holds almost every day now yeah, yeah. because I, that makes complete sense like mm-hmm. what business do you have 20, 30 40, 60 minutes out repetitive trauma on the body mm-hmm. creating all this stress if you can't even stick 60 seconds or you know 120 seconds on the floor yeah so we do that one quite a bit um, and it's just I'll, uh, you know a recent uh, case study with that is you know my wife, uh, Krista, you know she, we we opened the gym together a few years ago. Uh, we had our first uh, the birth of our first child uh, six months ago, mm-hmm. and um, that was emergency C section. Yeah. not what we planned. Yeah, uh, yeah. but you know two weeks past his date, you know, like he had to get out of there. <laughs> uh, it's just a little complicated, and man, that that just wreaks havoc on your body. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know she was a, a high level competitor at our facility. She Did a lot of competitive uh, competitive obstacle course racing. We actually spent our first year honeymooning traveling the world being competitive obstacle course (laughs) racers, Uh, and it was a lot of fun, so, you know, she thought she was gonna have a quick bounce back, Mm -hmm. Uh, so two months after delivery, she started coming to the gym and doing Mm -hmm. some things, and within two weeks her back went out. Like, completely debilitating, couldn't get off the couch, uh, couldn't pick up our son, Mm -hmm. Uh, so once she recovered from that, um, which we can talk about that recovery later, Immediately put her on a program of, hey, we need to start from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Put her on a 25, 30 minute pre-warm-up ritual of core engagement. Yeah, yeah. And um, she's her back is so strong. She hasn't had any back pain mm-hmm. since we started this yeah, uh, yeah. over the last four months. Uh, and only after diligently doing this for week after week after week, slowly start incorporating the weights back in. Now she can handle that stuff. And we nice. actually went for our first family run last Sunday with mm-hmm. the dog and the stroller nice. and everything else. She was able to do that And we wouldn't, she wouldn't be there if we haven't put the attention on the core. So from case study right there, watching it happen to my own wife, to myself having been through back surgery, I cannot speak enough on proper core activation and and you hit the nail on the head. It's not more sit-ups, more toes to bar, more knees to elbow, you know, all these crazy things. How, you know, what looks the coolest and how do we, you know, say we got a great ab workout. I'm not talking about ab workouts. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about core activation. Yeah, yeah. Can you turn it on and can you hold it? And can you maintain it Mm -hmm. for extended periods of time, just like any other lifting or exercise protocol, extended periods of time, proper recruitment, proper movement patterns, Mm -hmm. you know, just keep going. I
1: mean, it gets, it gets pretty deep. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I I think we just, we've covered a ton of stuff and we'll let people sink into some of that and and try and hopefully start Mm -hmm. applying it really right away. Um, If anybody has questions or wants to reach out, get a hold of you, uh, where could they go?
2: Well, we have a, a, our website, mrocktraining.com. Mrock is M-R-O-C uh, training.com. Uh, by the time you hear this podcast, we should have our blog section completely up and running. Nice. Um, so when you navigate the, the website, there, there'll be a uh, section for the blog. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few stuff up there, uh, posts up there right now, but actually what we've recently done is we've started um, uh, two weekly Facebook Live posts, nice. and then we turn turned those into blogs uh every tuesday we do a supplement education series Mm -hmm. where we go live for five to ten minutes and just talk about different topics that people need to know and on thursday we do a mob of the week which is mobility session of the week nice um so like i said by the time you hear this post you probably head over to mrocktraining.com, find our blog page and then we're just going to start cataloging this stuff so so people can go in there and learn different tricks on mobility learn some things that you may not be aware of as far as proper things to put in your body because the nutrition is such a huge, again, 80, yeah, yeah. 20 rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nutrition is 80% of it. Yeah, and, yeah. and nutrition extends into everything about everything that goes into your body, mm-hmm. why it goes into your body and what it does once it's in there. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, that's a huge part of it. We're really deep into, into that side of training as well. Um, or you can just, you know, like us on Facebook, follow yeah. us that way. And awesome. then you can see those posts live. Yeah. Uh, you might check out some videos uh, on our YouTube page and just kind of see what our facility looks like and what we're doing over there. Um, but yeah, those would be the best two ways. Uh, the, the website, the
1: Facebook, and of course all the other social media stuff as well. Yeah, yeah awesome. And I'll put links in uh, this episode's show notes so you guys can just uh, head over to the show notes and see uh, all of the everything that was just mentioned. Um, all right, I think we'll definitely have you on here again because I think we just scratched the surface on some of these topics. So thanks so much for coming by. It was awesome. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Mike. I, I hope we
2: can continue to, to spread the good word for yeah. obstacle course racing and, and proper training methods. And I just want to say... You know you've been doing a great job you, with with, with all the shows, and I, I love hearing other coaches' perspective on things, and you know I, I love you know hearing other pe- that other people are out there doing it right all over yeah. the country, and you know hopefully people can find a good coach, find yeah. a good support system, and uh, get out there and crush the race. All right, absolutely.
1: Okay, that's gonna do it for episode thirty one of the OCR Underground Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope this is helping you out, and you picked up a few good tips and strategies. For your training program, honestly, I don't. I'd be surprised if you didn't. There were so many great tips in this episode. Uh, big thanks to SGX Coach Brian the Ginger for giving us a great recap and review of the Epic Series. Uh, definitely sounds like a fun one. Um, again, check out the show notes at OCRUnderground.com/episode. 31 and you can see some links if you want to learn more about the epic series and another big thanks to sgx coach mike Confer with mrock training in oceanside for giving uh, amazing insight into his training systems and his beliefs Um, there are some awesome tips in there for you guys so definitely again go to the show notes check out Uh, mrock training and some of the things that coach mike is doing there and and the biggest thanks goes to you guys thank you so much for listening like i said i really hope that this is helping you guys out and i'm just uh, putting these out there to hopefully give you guys some great content and really real life strategies that you can use right away for your training program and if i've helped in any way i would love it if you'd head over to itunes and give the show a review give us five stars if you think we've been helping and let us know what we've been doing to help you out Um, It would really help out the show, and I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, But that's it for this week. Stay tuned. We will be back soon with another awesome episode.